Keeping it real with Jerry Lawrence. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Lord, take my back. Please. The devil into me. Yo. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Fuck this industry. Yo. Bitch, I'm in these streets. Yo. Lord, take my back. The devil into me. Yo. Lord, take my back. The devil into me. Fuck this industry. Bitch, I'm in these streets. They say tears is pain. I call it bullshit. Cause when I'm finished crying, I'm back to this bullshit. I got a full clip for my enemies. They wanna see me dead. Off these fucking streets. I drink this fucking liquor. You know the remedy. Walk a flock of flame. Ain't no end in me. Shout out to my mama. Man, she got my back. Man, I love my family. That's a fucking fact. Fuck this industry. I mean that shit, dog. Walk a flock of flame. Man, I want it all. I can't trust myself, so don't trust me. I can't trust my friends. Man, they set me up. Bad to this bullshit. Man, this industry full of bullshit. Fuck this industry. Yo, bitch, I'm in the streets. Yo, fuck this industry. Vibing the night, baby. Keep it real with Jerry Lawrence. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Jerry Lawrence. I'm your host, Jerry Lawrence. That was Waka Flocka Flame. Fuck this industry. Don't take it personal, though. I'm, I'm in a good mood tonight. I feel pretty good, but uh, I don't know. I've been wanting to play that song for a while. Felt like playing it tonight. I'm in a good mood up to a point. Um, I just got done watching the Blazers. And let me tell you about this, because the Blazers had a four-game winning streak going on, right? Every night, I was like, I'm going to come on and do the podcast. I want to do, like, an analysis. But they kept winning, and I kept putting it off. So then tonight, I'm like, all right, after they win, because they're playing the Pacers, who don't even have Oladipo, because he got traded as part of that big James Harden trade. I'm like, all right, after they win, I'll come on and celebrate with the fifth win in a row, and I'll probably have a different song because I was going to be a little more upbeat. Let me tell you, I was on a date tonight. Got home around halftime. They were already down by 23. I knew it wasn't looking good, but I stuck with it. I kept watching, and it just got worse. Like, they made a little bit of a comeback because it's the Blazers. They'll give you a little bit of hope, make you think they're going to win the game. But then Nurkic gets hurt in the third quarter. He uh, fractured his wrist. He fell down. They ended up saying it's a right wrist fracture. And let me tell you, when Nurkic fell, I knew it didn't look good. But when he when they said it was the fracture, I was like, I don't. I'm not throwing the season away because I feel like this is a way too of a way too much of a talented team to throw the season away. But a part of me died inside. So let's let's have a moment of silence for uh, what could be the end of our season. All right, maybe it's not the end, but I will say we need 
we need to make some moves, and we need to make moves quick. Ennis Cantor is the backup. He is not good enough to me to be the starter on this team. We already are not very strong defensively outside of Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr., and Gary Trent Jr. Those are our top defenders right now. But we can't really protect the paint right now with Nurkic out because he's a big body. He blocks shots. Not the quickest or most agile. He struggled, you know, guarding guarding quicker uh, quicker big men off the dribble or guards when they get, get by him or get an angle. They're able to go by him pretty quickly. For how bad Nurkic is, Kanter's even worse. Kanter can't guard anybody. Great rebounder, great post player when he's able to bully his way. Um, can't protect the rim. Not going to give you hardly any block shots. So it's going to be interesting to see how we do going forward. I don't like Kanter as the starter. I honestly think um, Terry Stott should probably put Harry Giles as the starter just because he's a little more athletic. He can at least protect the rim a little better. But for some reason, Stotts has not been playing Giles much this season. That's going to change now with Nurkic being out. He's going to have to play Giles more. The defense has to improve. Because even before Nurkic got hurt, they were struggling to defend the three-point line. That was probably their biggest weakness is defending the three-point line. Because what was happening is they're getting caught in these pick and rolls. And for some reason, I don't know why Stotts does this. He loves to drop the big man on the pick and roll instead of having them come up and show a little bit. And when I say show, that means he's like kind of getting the, the guard's face a little and stop him from just going straight to the hoop. But he, he drops the big man, so the guard just attacks. And then, you know, people like Nurk, who aren't the quickest, are already struggling to keep up with that guard, and you're backpedaling. So then we're bringing weak side help uh, or bringing somebody else to help double. That's leaving shooters open on the three-point line, so the passes are getting swung around, and somebody's always open for three, and they're hitting these threes. And it's just, it's not going to work throughout this season. I remember we played the, the Kings last night, and I'm watching. Bro, Buddy Heald was open on almost every single three. He hit like seven or eight threes in that game. And I'm like, this is the problem. The, I've been reading like the forums, and they say the three-point defense is the biggest problem for the Blazers this year. But watching it now, because I, I have access to the league pass, shout out to my connect. So I've been watching League Pass every night, and I've caught like four Blazer games in the past week. So I've been enjoying it, but I'm also seeing some of the deficiencies, some of the issues we have, and it's definitely with protecting uh, the three-point line. When Nurkic leaves, the paint is wide open. And I'll give him this. Covington, Covington does a good job guarding probably like the stretch fours, like Anthony Davis types who are quicker and a little bigger. He has good enough position and a great wingspan where he can guard these guys. He's not going to shut them down, but he plays decent defense, and he also plays the passing lanes really well. And then Jones, we usually got to put him on probably the point guard or whoever's giving us the most problems outside of the big man, outside that stretch four. So those two, they do a decent job. Jones gets out of position a little bit with his footwork I've been watching, um, but he has all the athletic tools, man, to, to recover and just – probably one of the, if not the highest jumper in the NBA. So he can block shots. He blocked LeBron shot like pretty bad a couple weeks ago. So it's going to be interesting to see, man. I don't know what the season holds. Zach Collins had surgery recently, so he's out probably for the rest of the season. I don't even know if he's coming back. I think 
he's on the last year of the deal, and they already said they're not going to extend him. So there's a lot of question marks with this team right now. And this Nurk injury is huge. I don't even know how long a fractured wrist is supposed to keep somebody out, but I, I would imagine he's going to be out for a while. I would imagine maybe a couple months. I don't know. Isn't Carl Anthony, I think he has, I think Carl Anthony Towns has a fractured wrist right now too. And they, they say he's like day-to-day, so who knows? Maybe Nurk will be back quicker than that. But um, getting back to things, this is the first podcast of the new year. I've been, look, I'm slacking. I don't have any excuses. I should have been on here last week. I was supposed to record yesterday. And you know what? I actually told myself I wanted to do, like, a good segment on MF Doom, who passed away. Uh, They announced it on New Year's Eve that he passed away, but he actually passed away on Halloween. And if anybody knows anything about MF Doom, that's it's not even surprising that they would announce it like that, that he died two months earlier because it's kind of like doom was such a private person, but I don't want to get into too much doom talk right now. Cause I want to do, I actually want to devote a whole podcast to MF doom because I was going to do a segment on him today. Cause I've been doing a deep dive. I've been doing a super deep dive on MF doom music. I went and bought two albums. I'm going to buy some more. I listened to a five hour podcast on MF doom, his life, his music. I've been watching YouTube videos. I'm just very consumed with his whole story. It's such a great story. Very underrated artist, but I want to I do it properly. And I did not feel like I had enough knowledge to really come on here and give it the proper talk. So I'm going to do some more like studying, some more research, and then I'm going to come back on in maybe another week or two. I'm going to do a whole episode devoted to Doom, play a little bit of music, talk about his story, drop a little tidbits, give some insight. Cause I feel like a lot of people are going to become doom fans after his death. I think he's one of those artists whose music transcends and whose music will live on. And I I just see doom getting even more popular. So I want to kind of introduce the people who don't know a lot about him to some of his music and get you guys like caught up on this story and everything. And, you know, with this podcast, I like to break new music. Not br- new music. It's not new music, but I like to break music that you've never heard. Like, I like to put play songs on here you never heard. The Waka Flocka one, I know a lot of y'all probably haven't heard that one, but I just like to put people onto stuff, and maybe they'll it'll pique their curiosity, and then you'll go and listen to some more. So that's what I want to do with Doom. So look out for that in the next week or two. I still plan on doing the Goody Mob episodes. That's going to be three episodes devoted to Goody Mob. I think, now don't hold me to this because I feel like every time I have a podcast, I say I'm going to see y'all next week and it's like two or three weeks. But the plan is to do a Goody Mob episode tomorrow. I want to break down World Party tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow is going to be like my uh, dress rehearsal day. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the plan is to break down World Party tomorrow. Then maybe next week, I'm going to do a regular episode and then another Goody Mob episode. And that one will be Age Against the Machine. Then the week after that, another regular episode and then another Goody Mob episode. And that one will be about uh, Survival Kit, the most recent album, which I'm still working on trying to get my cousin Kenya to come for that. Like I was on the phone with him last night 
and we got into some goody mob talk, like some nerdy goody mob talk, but that's the stuff I love. So it'd just be dope to have him on here and you guys can experience like the nerdiness of how we get when we talk about goody mob. So look out for all that in the, in the next month or so. Like I've been saying that the goal is to get to 50 episodes by I think March or whenever I first started 52, whatever. I don't know if I'm gonna reach it. I don't know. I'm very behind right now, but we'll see. Maybe I got it in me to start pumping out two or three episodes a week. I'm gonna tell you right now, the way it's going with this dating life, it doesn't look likely, but I'll be able to do that much, but uh, we'll see. But like I was saying, tomorrow is my, my dress rehearsal. All right. And what I mean by that is I have been slacking on like my new year's resolutions, my goals. I told you guys, I want to read all these books. I want to be on my phone less. I want to date. I'm still going to date, but with the dating, we'll get to the dating in a minute, but I want to be on the phone less. I want to read more. So Today was supposed to be the dress rehearsal for that. I was going to be like a full day devoted to kind of getting my mind right, getting in the right vibe, but I couldn't, I didn't get, I didn't get around to it because I was listening to a lot of MF doom. I was still watching YouTube videos. I was trying to catch up on some of the topics that I want to talk about on the show. So today was not the dress. Well, I guess today is Friday. Now it was Thursday, the day I was supposed to do it, but now it's Friday. And just for you guys, so you know, it's 1:20 AM right now. So. I think I'm going to title this episode Late Night Thoughts Part 2. I, I like the Late Night Thoughts series. I like talking late at night where I can kind of get a little deep on some topics. And I don't know, it's just a different vibe late at night when I do this. So we're going to call this Late Night Thoughts Part 2. But like I was saying, the dress rehearsal will be today, Friday, when I wake up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up. I'm going to read a book. I think the first book I'm going to start with is the Claude Anderson uh, Powernomics, the Powernomics book, which talks about like black wealth and how to get us right um, from the black community. So I'm going to start with that book. I don't have a limit on how many pages I'm going to read a day with these books. I think that book's around 200 pages. So I don't know. We'll see how many pages I knock out tomorrow. So when I wake up, the goal is to not get on the phone. It's to go straight to the book, knock the, knock some pages out. Then I'll probably eat breakfast, maybe some oatmeal. I don't know. I, I ate a big breakfast today, so I'll probably go light tomorrow. A little oatmeal, some coffee. Then I want to go to the basketball court because I have not played basketball since, like, maybe October or November. So I want to go to the basketball court and get some shots up. Nothing crazy. Don't be texting me or calling my phone trying to set up a little one-on-one -on -one session because we're not doing that. It's just me by myself getting some shots up. I like to go out there. I bring my speaker. I play music. It's kind of like a relaxing thing. It lets me think, clear my mind, get a little exercise in, get a sweat in. It's been cold in Orlando or just in Florida in general. It's been cold in the last month. So it's supposed to be like 72 degrees tomorrow. So I feel like that's a good day for me to go out and get some shots up. So that is the plan tomorrow. Oh, and then I'm going to come home. I'm going to come home and then I might read a little bit more. Then I want to uh, do the podcast about the Goody Mob album, World Party. Probably do about an hour for that one. And I don't know what else I have planned after that. But I do know I'm off for like the first time ever on a Friday or maybe like the second time ever. I actually switched shifts with this girl at my job the other day. I worked 18 hours overnight 
just so I could have this Friday off. And let me tell you, the main reason I am excited about having a Friday off is because I have planned my whole day around watching Dateline at 9 p.m. on NBC. That is like one of my favorite shows. It's just very nostalgic for me. Uh, when I used to work on the road mapping, Friday nights in my hotel were like reserved for watching Dateline. It's just one of my favorite things to do. It's a relaxing thing. It's always a good story. I'm always very into it. So I've planned the whole day around like watching Dateline at 9 p.m. tomorrow. I've even said no dates. Very limited on the phone activities. It's all about Dateline, 9 p.m. Probably go to bed after that. Um, I have a date Saturday before work. A little light. Not, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Uh, we're supposed to meet for coffee, which, hey, for, yo, for those of y'all who don't know, low-key, the coffee date might be the best way to go right now in this pandemic. If you're trying to save money, I think the coffee date is the move. And it, I mean, look, I know people are going to say you're being cheap and all, but if we really think about what a date is, and I think I said this on the last episode, but as one of my friends told me, all dating is, is gathering information. So all dating is, is you're really just trying to get to know that person and have a conversation. So why not meet over coffee where you can sit at like a Starbucks or something for two hours and talk and not get kicked out? Bro, coffee shops are like the best place to have a conversation because it's very chill you just sit you can vibe you talk you don't feel like you have to you're in a rush to leave like you go to a restaurant you know they're clearing the table they're bringing the check you kind of feel rushed but when you go to a coffee shop it's not that same feeling it's a little more relaxed like once you pay you sit down and it's up to you when you want to leave and the way they got the, set, the atmosphere set up in the coffee shop is usually, like, very inviting. It's like they want you to sit and talk for a while. So the coffee date, to me, especially in this pandemic, probably the move most of y'all need to be making if you're dating. Now, if you don't drink coffee, there's other options. You can order tea. You can order lattes, chai, whatever all this stuff is, pistachios, uh, picate, whatever. It's something like that. I forgot the name of it. It started with a P. But they got... They got the um, different options at the coffee place. You can get like muffins, uh, snacks. So there's, there's a lot of different options. Probably won't hit you for more than like 15, maybe 20 if you're at a bougie spot and you, bought, you buy more than coffee. But, you know, do the coffee thing. And it's a nice, it's a nice little date where you get the conversation because really all you want to do is find out about that person and find out if they're the right match for you or if it, the vibe is right. So. I don't think you really need to waste time on going to a restaurant and spending a lot of money. Although my last couple of dates have been at restaurants. Not even gonna lie. <laughs> last couple of dates have been at restaurants, but the vibe has been good. So I didn't mind it. The vibe is like, if you meet somebody and you guys have a, you hit it off and you have a good conversation. I don't think it's bad to go to a restaurant and pay, pay a, a, a little bit more. But if you're just trying to get to know somebody and trying to get a feel for their personality, I would advise against spending at the, the big restaurants early on just because you don't really know if you're into them. So find out if you're into them first, then you do the restaurant thing. But Saturday, I got a coffee date. Well, actually, no, that's the that's what I was supposed to get to. It was supposed to be a coffee date. We we're going to go to Starbucks. 
But then I looked, and there's a Chick-fil-A in the same area. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to hold y'all. I think Starbucks coffee is trash. So I actually said, hey, you want to go to the Chick-fil-A instead? Because I actually like Chick-fil-A's coffee. But, you know, we're going to get more of the coffee now that it's Chick-fil-A. So, you know, it'll probably be like lunch or whatever. But it's still not expensive. Still reasonably priced. And I get my good coffee that I like. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win. And, you know, Chick-fil-A is looked at like a little bit uh, a step above like a McDonald's or something. So it's not like it's not like you're asking somebody to go to McDonald's for a day. I think going to Chick-fil-A is actually like. That might be another low-key way to, like, get a decent little meal going without spending a lot of money, and you don't have them feeling like you're taking them to, like, some trash place. Yeah, I think Chick-fil-A is actually, that might be the move, too. You know what I'm going to do? I just thought of this. I think on the next episode, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list of low-key date spots you can go to that are not like super expensive, but will still be looked at admirably. Cause I remember when I said polio trap a cow, I got killed for that. So I'm going to make a list of some other spots that are reasonable where you can like slide that out, like as an option, like, Hey, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? And it might, it can probably work. Like they're not going to look at you crazy. All right. So stay tuned for that. But like I said, I had a date tonight and it went pretty well. It was actually my second date with the person and the vibe was good. Went to a sushi spot. Didn't it didn't hit me too much in the pockets, but you know. Well, it's not Chick-fil-A, but you know. Like I said, if the vibe is right, you pay what you pay. So I didn't mind paying it. And this is somebody I feel like I will continue to see because we have great conversation. But I'm still I'm still like feeling my way out with the whole dating thing. I've been meeting some cool people. I've been going on different dates. And I'm just, you know, I'm just seeing what the vibes are with people right now. But those that I feel like I hit it off with and have good conversations with, I try to, you know, see more than once, try to hang out with a little bit. And I think this is one of those. Now, I still think there's three categories of dating. I still, I'm still sticking to this, but I'm, I'm bending, I'm bending some of the rules a little bit, which I'll talk about in a minute. But my three categories of dating are this, all right? You have the, the people you just want to have sex with. That's it. You don't even really want to go on a date with them. You just really want to have sex. You're not obligated to buy anything. I've talked to a few women about this. I said, do you still have to say happy Valentine's Day? Now they're telling me that you still have to say happy Valentine's Day. They're saying you even might have to get a gift. I'm pushing back on the gift part. I don't think you have to get a gift if you're just having sex. All right. I think you can just probably you do. You do have to send the happy Valentine's Day text. It doesn't have to be a phone call. Just a text. Probably throw a heart in there just, you know, make it look a little better. But you don't have to buy a gift. Don't let them talk you into buying them a gift for that. I don't think the gift is needed. Then the next category of dating is just friends. All right. It's just friends. It's if it's just friends, there's no sex involved. All right. Let's just get that out the way. Now, this is the type of date you're going on. You already know you're not getting any. You're just going for conversation, I guess, and companionship. Now, this situation, you don't have to pay. This bill should probably be split if it's just friends, all right? Don't let them, don't let them get you to pay either. If it's just friends, split the bill. You're meeting up for just conversation, catching up. Maybe you want to talk to them about your dating life. 
Maybe I'll talk about your sexual lives, you know, with other people. It's just friends. So anything's on the table there. You could talk about whatever you want, but you you just know you're probably not getting anywhere with them. Now, some of y'all are probably asking, what's the point of even having just friends and dating? I think you got to switch it up a bit. All right. I don't think you should just have one category. I don't think you should just date for a relationship. I don't think you should just date for sex. Like, I feel like you have to have different options. You have to be open to different things because every person you date is not going to fit that one category you're looking for, but they might surprise you. You know, maybe you go on a date and y'all aren't really attracted to each other or the chemistry. Well, no, you're not attracted to each other, but it's an, it's still a nice vibe, a nice conversation. You could put them in the friend category. That's just friends. Hey, we still can hang out, talk, have fun. Maybe you become a lifelong friend. If it's the just sex category, then when you meet them, you figure out, yo, that's that's all it is. But we both are on the same page with that. We both just want to have sex. And that's kind of the box you're in. But you don't see them as potential for like a relationship or anything. You don't see you don't even think you could be friends with this person because you probably don't have a lot in common, but you're physically attracted to each other. So then it's like, oh, well, let's let's live in the moment. Let's just YOLO, have sex. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, shout out to all my feminists out there. I'm trying to get on y'all level when it comes to all this where, you know, you feel free and comfortable to do whatever you want in this dating world. Because what I'm finding out is there really are no rules to dating. It's all really about how you feel and what you're comfortable with. So you need to decide that before you start dating. What are you looking for? What will you settle for? What you won't settle for? Like, Start thinking about that before you even date. And like I said, you should have three different options, all right? You should have the the one that you just want to have sex with. You should have the, the ones you feel like are just friends. And then the last category is the potential for a relationship. So this is like the person you meet. And you're not really looking at them in a sexual manner in the beginning. You're kind of like, hey, you know, there might be a little bit more there than just sex. But you're also not looking at them just as a friend because you're like, the vibe is so good. You kind of start, I don't want to say developing feelings, but you start feeling a little bit. You feel something. And that's a good thing to feel something. Because if you don't feel anything, it's you probably don't like them. So you feel something. You're not sure what it is yet, but it's something. So when you feel that, that kind of means they're just, they're in the potential, the potential role. So the, to me, the potential role is, it's a mixture of the sex and the friend role because it's somebody you enjoy talking to, but it's somebody you still are attracted to. So you can still have sex in the potential role, but I would just say, take your time, take your time. If it's a potential thing, if you think it might develop in the more move slow, because the minute you have sex, you go, you gonna realize how you really feel about somebody. So you might have sex with them and then realize I just want to have sex. So just be careful. And women, be careful out there with who you're having sex with because you could get stuck in the just sex category. Just because there's potential there don't mean it's going to reach that potential. You still might get stuck in the sex category. So I would just say if, you, if there's potential and you think it could lead to a relationship, take your time getting to know them. Don't just rush into bed because that could backfire. All right? But like I said, the three categories, just having sex, friends, 
or potential for a relationship. Now, what I'm learning on some of these dates, I have to stop being too friendly. I feel like I'm trying to be friendly with everybody and not everybody is supposed to be friends, you know? Everybody has to go in different categories. So I have to, like, if, if it's just the sex thing, I got to stop being too friendly there. I got to stop trying to, you know, text every day and how are you doing and this and that and tell me your life story. No, nah, it doesn't need to really be any of that. I got to just get to the point. And I think sometimes I take too long to get to the point. So that's another thing about these first dates. Like, I think once you go on that first date and you meet in person, you get an idea of what the situation is. You get an idea of how you see that person. So it's good to meet somebody early, like within the first two weeks of talking through text, try to set up a dating, a date, try to set, try to get that coffee date. Honestly, try, try for the coffee date. If you can't pull the coffee date, you might have to go to a restaurant. You know, they probably spend like 50 or 60, but I know it's a pandemic. Money's tight. Just, just choose wisely who you drop the 50 or 60 on. All right. It doesn't have to be every single woman, but if you if the conversation is good through the text, it's probably okay to drop that. If the conversation is dry and not good and you're like carrying it on your back, coffee. Go to coffee. Do not take them to a restaurant. You will be disappointed. All right? Believe me on that. But like I was saying, I was being a little too friendly. I'm starting to like kind of wonder what I'm really looking for because... In the beginning, I was like, all right, I don't want to date serious. I don't want to serious. I just kind of wanted to have fun. But then you kind of meet people and the conversation's good. And you're like, well, you know, I kind of enjoy your company. Maybe I'll hang out a little bit. But you still, like, don't want the relationship. So I think where I'm at right now is I still think some people have to go in the sex category. Some are going in the friend category. The potential category, I'm still shaky with. Like, I don't. I think there's potential, but I don't I don't see the relationship right now with 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 anybody. But I do I do think there are some dope vibes out there, some good conversations, some people I enjoy being around. So this is where I'm learning like the the ins and outs and the rules of everything. Clarification, um I got some clarification the other day on what a side dude really is. And apparently the side dude has a little bit more responsibility than I thought. I thought the side dude was just kind of like you go in, you hit, and you're out. But apparently from what I've been told by women, the side dude has to have, like, conversations. He has to be there for you emotionally. Um, a lot of cuddling. It's a lot, a lot that goes into being the side dude. So now I'm like, yo, is that what I really want? I'm, I'm wondering now. So I'm thinking about kind of what my role is going to be in 2021 going forward. I think, is it too much emotion invested in being a side dude for me? For the most part, I'm going to say, yeah. Now, I think every now and then you're going to find somebody who, like I said, the vibe is good, the conversation is good. I think you can still be a side dude in those situations, but I can't be the side dude for everybody. So I think the side dude is more of like a friends with benefits situation. And a friends with benefits is what I'm learning is now is not just sex. It's like you have sex, but you still hang out. You still go out to dates and stuff. You're just, I guess it's like sex without the commitment. 
but you still have to do some type of like boyfriend type things. So that's kind of what the friends with benefits is. But then you got the, the fuck buddy category. Now, first of all, let me just say this. I know some of y'all are paper Bible saved and listening to this. Do not text my phone tomorrow trying to tell me how I need to live my life. I am out here in these streets. Respect it. Would it walk a flock and say, salute me or shoot me? <laughs> so don't text my phone trying to tell me how I need to live my life if you are a paper Bible saved, all right? Because y'all, y'all get horny and y'all do the same shit. Y'all just be behind closed doors with it. All right, so let me live my life. So yes, there's a term called fuck buddies. Now the fuck buddy is not the friends with benefits. Fuck buddy is different. A fuck buddy is like somebody you just have sex with. You don't really even need to text or call. I think there has to be some level of communication every now and then. Like, hey, how you doing? How's, how's your day? You don't have to send a how's your day text every day, but maybe like a couple times a week. You still have to say happy Valentine's Day if you're a fuck buddy. If you're friends with benefits, you might have to send, you might have to do a phone call on Valentine's Day. Maybe even a gift. Like it's a little more effort, a little more commitment that goes into the friends with benefits is what I'm learning. If I'm wrong, y'all let me know. But this is what the women are telling me out here in these streets. So I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing out here, how I'm moving. But some of them are just going to be fuck buddies, honestly. And this is where I'm at with it. Because last year, last year I was not happy with my situation. Like I didn't have any consistency. I didn't have a lot of loyalty. So we're redoing the whole roster in 2021. I know this is late night thoughts, so it's late at night. I want to be a little light on the bombs. I'm not going to go bomb heavy tonight, but yo, we're redoing the whole roster. I'm meeting new people. I'm trying to see who fits, who doesn't, who's good for me and who's not. And we're just going to, you know, we're going to vibe out. We're going to see what it is, but it was way too much inconsistency in 2020. I feel like I got to, I got to move on from, from a few things. Got to kind of get things back in order on my side. So with all this dating going on right now, we're just, you know, we're seeing what, who fits in what category. Everything's still open. Still, nobody's really uh, secured any, well, a couple, a couple of people have secured spots so far in different categories. I won't say which, because I don't need y'all all in my business. Like I said, if you're paper Bible saved, leave me alone. I'm digital Bible saved. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means, I like church. I love God just like you guys, but uh, I'm the type that would read the Bible on the phone where I do all the other bad stuff instead of the paper Bible where you don't do any bad things because you're just reading a paper version as opposed to the person who reads the Bible on their phone and they're still like watching porn and sending nude pics. So I'm digital Bible saved, right? I'm out here. I don't know if you, if you think, if you think I'm not moving right, pray for me, but we just going to see. We're going to see how this year plays out. I'm 35 minutes in, and I've been talking about dating in the Blazers. That's, that's the type of night we're on. But this is, this is, what is this called again? Deep Thoughts? No, Late Night Thoughts Part 2. This is Late Night Thoughts Part 2. Uh, we're just going with it, man. I have not potted in a while, so just wanted to give y'all something. Last week, there was a lot going on in the world. Like I was actually on a date. I was in Gainesville. Don't worry about what I was doing, but I was in Gainesville 
And there was um a whole bunch of drama on Capitol Hill. All the Trump supporters had broken into the Capitol and destroyed all this crap and did all this stuff. It was so wild. And I was getting texts about it and I was getting you know, little news breaks, but I wasn't too focused on it. And then when I got home, I was able to pay a little bit more attention to it. And bro, this, this thing was wild, but I still didn't really know too much about it. And then uh, last Sunday I watched on CNN because CNN on Sunday nights has the illest shows. So I watched this show on CNN last Sunday about the whole Capitol thing. And I kind of got a, a better understanding of what happened. So your man Trump was out there because I guess Pence, Pence was doing a vote for like the, the election. If Trump really won the election, Trump's telling Pence to do the right thing and, and make sure, you know, they were able to secure him the election or do something, steal the election back. I don't know. I don't know the specifics of what it was called, but Trump was doing his own speech like down the block from the Capitol. And he, he rallies up the base and he's like, yo, go, go to the Capitol and be loud and let them know you're there. And basically telling them to go start trouble. And that's what they did. They went to the Capitol and they started trouble. And the CNN thing kind of takes you from the beginning of how it builds up. So it's like the people are marching in the beginning. When they get to the Capitol, there's like a fence around. And you know how these, you know how the MAGA people are. They just start climbing the fence. And once one person does it, everybody's going to follow suit. It's the same with like a riot. Once somebody breaks a window of a business, everybody's going in. So they climb the fence. They get to the, the, the steps of the Capitol. And there's some Capitol police there. There's not a lot. Maybe like 15, 20 of them. You can tell they're not ready for this. So they're there with their little shields and stuff trying to stop these people. But they're white. Like the, the Trump people are white. That's very important to note. So they kind of just push the police around. They go right past them. They're white, so they don't get shot. They go in, and there's a little bit more security once they get in. But again, it's not enough to really stop this big-ass crowd because this is like thousands in this crowd. So they all end up getting to the at least the, the wall of the Capitol and the, the front of the Capitol, and they're in the yard and everything. And then some of them get up the steps, and they're, going through the door. They try to go through the, the front door, I believe. And for the most part, they're getting stopped. I think a few of them did get in, but it was the back where they really got in. So somebody takes like a flag post and a fire hydrant or whatever, and they break the window in the back. They go in and open the door and let everybody in. It's kind of like the movie theater back in the day. When once you get, you go in with your ticket and you open the back door and let your friends in. Uh, we used to call that Russian bus. <laughs> Because you got, once you're in, oh, no, no, I forgot what the back door one was. I think Russian bus was when we all just went through the front and they couldn't really stop everybody. So, yeah, they did that. They opened the back door and there's a little security there, but still it's not enough. So they, most of the people get in through the back and then some start going in through the front. And at this point, the police are just like, we give up. They're letting them in. Now, once they're in, this is where the drama really starts because there's levels to this. Like just cause you're in, I mean, you're in near where the, the, the house floor and all that is, you know, you're in the lobby. So then they try to get through the doors, go into like the, the house floor and they're like evacuating that, getting all the important people out, Pence and all them Pelosi. Um, some of them had to like take cover and Bomani Jones had a interesting <laughs> take on this because the house floor has a different type of security. Those aren't police in there. Those are the guys with like the suits with the guns. And Bomani said it perfectly. He said, 
those dudes with the suits and the guns, they're not there to, to like talk with you to calm a crowd down. They're there to shoot and kill. That's all they know how to do. They don't really know how to like do all this other stuff when it's a crowd and diffusing situations. No, they're there to protect. So they're going to shoot and kill. So those dudes are waiting back there like, yo, y'all come through. It's on. Now, some people did get upstairs to like Nancy Pelosi's office and some other office. I don't know where the suit people were for that. I guess that wasn't as important because they had gotten them out of there. So some of these MAGA folks got upstairs. They took pictures in the offices and do it at his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Um, And then, yeah, they all posing up there. But this is what happened because there was a woman who died. I believe her name was Ashley Babbitt. She dies when they're they're in the like hallway place and there's a door there's these two doors they're trying to get through and they're like banging the door ba 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 right and i believe they bust the window next to the door pa so then the Ashley Babbitt lady now CNN showed it i covered my eyes cuz i knew it was about to get crazy when they break that window next to the two doors First of all, the people on the other side are, they got the suit people on the other side, please all of them. They're on the other side waiting, like, I dare y'all to come through. So they break that window. The Ashley Babbitt woman, she starts to climb up, like she's going to go through that broken window. And I covered my eyes because I knew it was about to happen. And as soon as, like, she climbs up, I covered my eyes and I hear, boom. And um, she got shot. And I guess she falls down or whatever, and that's when they try to save her. And I think that image ended up getting shown on the news like her after she was shot, which I didn't want to see. But for those who were wondering how the woman died at the Capitol, that was how she died. That, that was the story of what happened to her. It wasn't like a random thing. She started to climb up like she was going to go through that window. And like I said, those people on the other side, they're not the defuse people. They're there to kill. So once they see somebody trying to come through, they wasn't playing no more games. Y'all ain't about to just rush this place like this. So they shot her. There was a police officer who died too, and I want to make sure I get his name right because he deserves he deserves recognition too. So he, from what I heard, I didn't see this video either. I think CNN showed it, but I couldn't. I can't watch those videos of the police of the people who died and how they died. But from what they said, I guess this guy, the the MAGA people attacked him. They had like a flagpole and a fire extinguisher and they were hitting him and he died from his injuries, right? He died from his injuries and it was, it was a very sad, um, sad situation. And New York times actually, I'm pulling an article up now. They have, they have the names of all five people who died, but of course it's New York times. So, they want you to pay, you know, for the article, which F y'all New York Times. I'm sorry. I read the, I think it was the James Harden article I read. So I'm probably reached my limit. But the guy who died from the Capitol Police, his name was Brian Sicknick, Brian D. Sicknick. And they say he was hit by like the fire extinguisher and a flagpole, which is crazy because these people say they're like Blue Lives Matter and American flag and all that. Yet you're hitting a police officer with the flag. And like a fire extinguisher and you kill a police officer and you're like the same people who would be telling us blue lives matter. So first of all, fuck y'all. Cause y'all on that bullshit, but rest in peace to uh Brian Sicknick. Rest in peace to Ashley Babbitt too. Like no matter what the situation is and the other three who lost their lives, rest in peace to them too. 
I don't I don't care what the situation is. I never want to see somebody lose their life. I'm just somebody who's going to always be on the side of life. I don't think you should decide who who gets to live and who doesn't. So I feel a little bad when somebody loses their life. So, yeah, man, rest in peace to all them. I guess the question now is, is Trump to blame for all this? And the answer is yes. But the next question is, should he be removed from office with only two weeks left? I think it's kind of a waste of time to be removing him from office right now or trying to. I know he just got impeached again, which is a big deal because I guess if it, if it goes through, he's not able to run again in 2024. I know some people think he's going to run again. Personally, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see Donald Trump trying to run again in 2024. I think after four years off, he's, he's going to be over it. He's not going to want to come back. Some people think he might, so they're trying to get it out the way now where he doesn't have a chance. So, I mean, I guess I see the... I see the game plan, but personally, I'm just not a fan of wasting time with all this. I, I think by the time you get to whatever the goal is, it's time to, for the Biden inauguration, which, bruh, whoever is in charge of security for that. I heard they're already starting, but you don't really need me to tell you, but you better have them troops on deck. You better act like it's some black people that are going to be there and respond how you would for black folks. Because if, if we... We all know, I mean, everybody's beating the dead horse. If it was black people who stormed the Capitol like that, it would have been more than five deaths. So for the presidential inauguration, they better have the security on fleek. I don't even know if that's still a word, if y'all are still using it, but it better be on point. With that being said, uh, let's move on. I've, I've, listening, I've been listening to two new podcasts this week, in the past week. So I want to, actually three. Because like I told you earlier, I listened to a five-hour podcast on MF Doom. I'm going to wait to get to that on the MF Doom episode. But I will say now, if you want to hear more about MF Doom and his life before I get to it, Juan Epp is dead. Um, listen to that podcast. Formerly Juan Epstein. It's Peter Rosenberg, Cypher Sounds. He did a fantastic job on uh, MF Doom. So check that out. I learned a lot from listening to them. But the other two podcasts that I've been listening to, one is called Blind Spot. The Road to 9-11. This podcast, to me, is so interesting. Because we all know about like 9-11, and there's so many conspiracies about what happened. And I think this, I haven't finished it, so I don't know if they go too deep in the conspiracies. But the thing, about, the thing that's dope about this podcast is they start from the beginning. They start from like 1990, and they, they tell you about different terrorists and how they got to the U.S., um, their roles before 9-11, their roles in other things and the things, the effects it had, the mistakes the U.S. made in allowing these terrorists to come here and kind of not watching them closely. It's just really insightful. So I would, I would recommend that one, Blind Spot, The Road to 9-11, especially if you're one of those people who's into like the 9-11 conspiracies and just always wants to know more information on 9-11. Check that podcast out. I believe it's like an NPR podcast too. And you can never go wrong with an NPR type of podcast. The second podcast is called Louder Than a Riot. Now, Louder Than a Riot is more about, um, it's about hip hop. It's about hip hop and kind of the dudes who get arrested, uh, people who have been, I don't, I guess unfairly targeted. Yeah, people who've been like unfairly targeted in the incarceration, how hip hop, is part of the mass incarceration, how the effects it has on mass incarceration. So that podcast is pretty dope. They talk about, 
they do like three episodes on the story of Mac from No Limit. And if you've ever like listened to No Limit back in the day, like I did, Mac was one of the dopest rappers in No Limit. He could actually rap. And I didn't realize how good he was until I listened to this because I remember back in the day, Mac was dope. But what I found out from this podcast was like Mac dumbed it down for No Limit. And he, he was about to go on like some more conscious stuff after he left No Limit, ends up getting, um, ends up being at the wrong place at the wrong time where somebody dies in a club from being shot and it gets pinned on him. Much like the C murder, kind of very similar to what happened to C murder, but they both get, I believe like life in jail or Mac maybe got like 40 years. He's still serving. Mac's been in jail for like 20 years and they're, they're still trying to get him out, man. And I, I really hope Mac gets out. I feel like he has a lot to offer, not only hip hop, but just in life in general. And maybe talking to some of these younger kids, cause there's been a lot of shootings in the hip hop world lately. So, Mac being out of jail, I think, is a good could be a good thing for uh, everybody. It, it talks a little bit about the C murder story, but not as in depth as the Mac story. Uh, it goes very in depth on the Bobby Schmurder story. A lot to learn there. He's supposed to be getting out in like next month, I think. But yeah, it, it's a lot of interesting stuff about that Bobby Schmurder story too. Which I don't, I don't want to say it all, but if you guys got a chance, go listen to uh, Louder Than a Riot too. That's not two, but. Louder than a riot. That's the name of the podcast. That in Blind Spot, the Road to 9-11, two highly recommended podcasts. I like listening to those kind of at night on my on my drive home from places, whether it's work or a date or whatever. Those are two I like to listen to and just get a little information. I don't know why I like listening to them at night, but I feel like they're more a little bit better at night to listen to. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's like that news type of thing, and I like to consume the news at night. When I was driving uh, home from Gainesville, no, on the way to Gainesville, I listened to the Joe Budden podcast for the first time in years without listening, without watching it on YouTube, because normally I watch Joe Budden on YouTube. This time I listened to it in the car as a podcast, and I didn't realize, but there's, there's some differences between listening to a podcast and watching it on YouTube, and what I, what I learned is, like, when I watch it on YouTube, it feels more like a TV show. It, it flows like a TV show. Not as much like of the music that he plays because he plays a lot of music on there. But it, since it's YouTube, I guess you they are not allowed to play it or you can't hear it. But yeah, it's just more like a TV show on YouTube. And then when I'm driving in my car, it plays more like a radio show because you got the music. It, it, even the pace feels a little faster. I don't know why. Maybe when you're listening... It feels like if you were watching me in here right now, to me, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm going per slow. I'm talking slow. But then when I listen back, I'm like, oh, it actually flowed a little bit better than I thought. So maybe there's something to watching versus listening. But it did make me like think about my podcast and how I do it. And I just I think I like mine more where you can't see. I think you would probably be bored if you watch me just sitting here in my in my office doing this, it's probably not as exciting as it is when I'm, when I'm playing, when you're listening to it in the radio or in the car or on your phone or whatever, just trust me on this. It probably comes across better like that. Maybe if I had like guests in here more, we could do video in, in the years to come, I probably will do try to do video at some point, but I think for now I'm happy with it the way it is. I'm happy with being, being heard and not seen, it kind of plays into 
how I want it to be. I don't really want to be out there in the spotlight too much. So I enjoy it the way it is right now. Shout out to Mike. I know Mike's going to bug me about putting this on YouTube still as the audio version, which I tell him every week I'm going to do. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow it'll finally get on YouTube. I've been slacking on that too. But like I said, I'm going to be a little more focused tomorrow. It's the dress rehearsal for uh, how I want my life to start going this year. So we'll we'll, uh, try to get it on YouTube tomorrow too. Stay tuned for that. Shout out to my boy Jackie. He hit me up the other day. He told me uh, I've been slacking on these episodes. I didn't even know he listened, so that was cool. That was cool to know. Shout out to him. It's always good to hear from people who listen to the show that I have no idea listen to it because I never think, I, I don't know. For people who don't know me, I feel like I'm entertaining. But for like my friends, it's still weird that they sit here and listen because I don't know if I'm entertaining enough for people who know me. Because I feel like when they, when they see me or when they hang out with me, I'm on another level. Like I, I'm a little bit more entertaining. So they might not even be getting the full version of me. Uh, pause if needed when they listen to this. So yeah, it's pretty dope that to hear that. And I'm, I'm working on trying to be more consistent. I think part of the reason that I'm not consistent with these episodes is the work schedule one. Like I said, I worked a, I worked a, a double shift on um, Tuesday. So I worked 2 p.m. to like my normal 10. Then I stayed from 10 to 6. And then I get off at 6 and they're talking about we got a meeting. So I stayed for the meeting. The meeting was two hours. I didn't leave work till 8 o'clock in the morning. So I worked from 2 p.m. to 8 a.m. I'm going to get like two hours of overtime. But, yo, bro, it was rough. Like, so then I come home. And I meant to record the podcast yesterday, but I go home at like, I get home at like 10 cause you know, I stop get donuts and stuff and whatever. And I go to bed. No, I, I get home at like nine 30. I go to bed around 10. I'll wake up until about two 30, four and a half hours of sleep. If that. So when I wake up, I'm just sluggish the whole day. And I'm like, I want to do this podcast, but I'm still at this point thinking I want to do the MF doom thing in the beginning but I'm still consuming MF doom content and information. So then finally I give up today. I'm like, yo, I'm not there yet with the doom thing. So I scrapped that whole plan and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just do a regular podcast. And normally I write everything down too. Maybe that's the problem. Like today I'm going off of my phone. Cause I have like little notes in my phone of things I want to talk about. But normally I have it written down on a notebook, how I want the whole episode to flow things I want to talk about. And I call that notebook, Jared. It's a little more organized a little more smoother, a little more crisp. So I'm trying to get back to notebook Jared because the phone thing, like I'll be trying to freestyle it sometimes. And to me, it doesn't come off as good. I don't know how it sounds on the listen back to you guys, but I got to do a better job of just writing everything down on my notebook. I will say that. But yeah, like I said, I was so tired yesterday, so I didn't record. And then today I started this episode at like one in the morning. I went on my date. And then when I got back from the date, I watched uh, the rest of the Blazer game thinking I was going to talk about how good the Blazers have been lately, and then they lose and Nurkic gets hurt, and I kind of have to change everything I want to say there. So, yeah, it's, it's sometimes, you know, you're just moving and uh, changing things on the go, but I feel like I'm, I'm giving y'all a pretty strong episode tonight, and I, I still got more to go. I still got more topics to talk about. But, yeah, I just wanted to shout out everybody who listens, everybody who reaches out. I still don't have an email address yet for you guys to send questions to, but those who know me, you can always text me whatever you want me to say or talk about. And if you don't know me, maybe tomorrow I'll set up the email. We'll see. 
Now, this next topic I want to get to, this might take a while because I have a lot written down here. So I was watching, I don't even know what made me want to watch this. I knew there was an interview. I knew there was a Breakfast Club interview with uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan that existed. There's actually two of them. And I, I think it was like last Saturday night. I just randomly thought about it. Or was it last Sunday morning? Probably yeah, last Sunday morning before work. I randomly thought about it. No, Saturday night. Yeah. I thought about it. It was late at night. And I was, I was like curious. Like, yo, let me see what this is about. So I, I searched it on YouTube. And then I found a, a, a Louis Farrakhan, Minister Louis Farrakhan, Breakfast Club interview from 2015. Because I always remember Charlemagne talking about how he got the minister on the Breakfast Club. Because, you know, he's kind of like blacklisted and blackballed everywhere. But Charlemagne got him on there. So I went back and listened to the first. I watched the first interview with him. And it was fantastic. It was such a great interview. I, that's another one I'd recommend people to go watch. In addition to the two podcast recommendations. If you guys want to go um, on YouTube and search Breakfast Club, Louis Farrakhan, they have the uh, interview. The 2015 one is the one I'm going to talk about today. Now, he did another one in 2016. I haven't watched that one yet, so I'm not ready to talk about, like, how I feel about that one. But I would recommend everybody go watch the one from 2015. He talked about so many different things that are relevant today. And I know we, the, the minister catches a lot of heat. A lot of people don't don't like him. They think he's racist and he hates white people and this and that. And he made, you know, he talked about a little bit of that, which I'll get into. But I would just say watch it, watch it for yourself and, you know, develop your own thoughts and ideas on it and come up with your own, you know, way of thinking about what you think. But he said he said a few things that stuck out to me. And I, I, I wrote some notes down of things he said that I like that I wanted to share on here. He said, people denounce me because it makes them available to white people. That's strong. He came out firing on this interview, too. Let me say that, boy. He came out the gates firing, but it was so good. And I just, I want to talk about that real quick. Let me just say it one more time. He said, people denounce me because it makes them available to white people. I got what he was saying there because it's like the people who stand by him, the Tamika Mallory's, the Mark Lamont Hills, like those type of people, you've seen them get canceled in the media, right? You've seen them have these high platforms. And then the minute they start talking about their alliance or being cool with Minister Farrakhan, they get canceled. They're bad people. We can't trust them. We can't listen to them. So what he's saying is like for you to get get by in this industry and to be accepted, you have to like denounce him. You have to say you don't rock with him. Like you have to do all that to kind of get by, which I'm I'm kind of surprised that Charlemagne's still out here rocking because it's like he brought him on the Breakfast Club. He's brought him on there twice. He is very outspoken in how, you know, he rocks with the minister and stuff. But Charlemagne, he's still going strong. I'm surprised that he's still able to rock. I like it though. I like that he's one of these people that is able to kind of say what he wants and maybe his platform, maybe Charlemagne is so big now that you can't really cancel him. Yeah. I don't know if, if Charlemagne's cancelable. They've tried to cancel him a few times, but Charlemagne's doing his thing, man. Shouts to him. And I'm glad that he still like speaks highly of the minister and hasn't like backed down on, you know, 
things he said. Uh, he he always talks about how he read the message to the black man too by Elijah Muhammad and how that changed his life. So Charlemagne's always been like a a proponent of them. He's always had their back, and I just appreciate him continuing to you know mention him and bring him on places like the Breakfast Club, even though the interviews were like four and five years old. But the fact that he still got him on there and Farrakhan spoke openly and was able to like get his message across and say what he wanted. I thought that was super dope, man. Cause apparently like he's been banned on like Facebook and all these other places. And they got him up there with like the Alex Jones guy where they're saying it's like hate speech, which I, everything I've heard from Farrakhan, I've never thought it was hate speech. I thought he said things that made sense. I've always agreed with the message. Um, even the, the whole Jewish and white, white people thing i'll get to that in a minute but he's pretty clear on where he stands on a lot of this stuff another thing he said is he said this is your heaven but this is our hell and that's that's deep right there because he's basically saying like white people who've come to america you guys got it made like you guys are living in heaven here you know everything's made the system set up for you to succeed and you guys are flourishing so that yeah you're this is your heaven but if you're black, you know, this is our hell because we're still overcoming. We're still fighting. We're still trying to get a seat at the table. So, so far, you know, I'm, I'm with him on a lot of this stuff he's saying. He also said buy, buy land instead of stocks. I'm with him on that. I think too much emphasis gets put in stocks in the stock market, and I don't agree with it. I think a lot of people right now think stocks are the way to go and everybody. I don't know. There's something about stocks I don't trust. And. You see it. I was seeing it a lot on social media too, where people who never even did anything with the stock market are trying to give you like stock tips now and telling you, oh, this invest in this. Or <laughs> the funniest thing to me is when people are on Facebook like telling you what they just invested in. And it's like, bro, you ain't supposed to give out your secrets of the stock game, right? Like, you don't want everybody going to the stock. You want to be that one, you want it to be like your little thing, you know? Or maybe that's not how it works. I don't know. But I just know if I'm doing the stock market and I got a stock that's like super low and nobody knows about, it, I'm not blasting it. Right. Or maybe you are blasting it because you want the shares to go up. I don't know. I'm not a big stock market guy, but I do believe land is the way to go. I think real estate. Real estate is more of a slower build, but I think if you got the patience and the money to invest, I think you get a higher reward out of real estate than stocks. That's just my opinion, but I'm focused more on the real estate than the stocks. Back to Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. I think after this, you guys are going to think I'm about ready to join the, the Nation of Islam, which I'm not. Like, I just want to get information from different organizations, different people. So I enjoy hearing what they have to say. I get knowledge from everywhere. If somebody's saying something that makes sense, I want to hear it. I want to hear their message. And I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to this at the end, too, about the hypocrisy and why I don't agree with that. But we'll wait to the end for that. So. Minister Farrakhan also said, he said, if I lost you, I never had you. That's another, that's another deep one where it's like, if he lost you, you probably wasn't really trying to hear the message in the beginning. You were probably looking for a reason to discredit him or to say you don't believe it. Like you never were open to hearing what he had to say. So I thought that was dope. It was just so many, so many jewels, so many gems. Like I said, it's the Breakfast Club interview with Minister Farrakhan from 2015. Go back and watch it. It's so much knowledge being dropped in there. And I feel like a lot of times 
the the elders are trying to give us this knowledge, but the masses don't want us to hear it, so they'll try to block it. Like even this one, it's not on the Breakfast Club's page. It's on like somebody uploaded it, I guess. Maybe the Breakfast Club took it down. Maybe they never had it up. I don't know. But some dude put it up and it only has like 49,000 views. Now, the one where he came in 2016 has like 3 million views, but this original one only has 49,000 views. So it's one of those messages where you don't, it doesn't look like they want us to hear it. But if you can find it, bro, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn a lot. And another interesting thing I thought about this interview was the people who were with Minister Farrakhan, they got his back, man. They got his back because during the interview, like things he said that needed to be corrected or explained better. I don't know if who these people were. I think they might've been the, um, the FOI, which is the fruits of Islam, which is like their, his security. That's what they call them. The FOI. Um, if you ever heard Travis Scott, I forgot what song it is, but he's like me and the guys move like the FOI. He's talking about the fruits of Islam. They're like, that's a pretty good security system to have too, because Farrakhan, he's never been, you've never seen him in danger, bro. Like, I don't even think these dudes carry guns, but they just know how to maneuver. I bet if they was at the Capitol, them people wouldn't have got in. I remember when the police were mad at Beyonce and they were saying they weren't going to provide her with uh, security at her concerts because she was, you know, pro-black and saying anti-police brutality in her her music. And they got pissed at that. And then uh, Farrakhan offered the FOI. He said, if you need the FOI, you know, I'll send them out to help. So. I think that's who was there, but they would bring him like pieces of paper and telling him like, Hey, you know, maybe you need to explain this better or correct this. And he was able to do that during the interview because he had people who were looking out for him. Not that he said nothing too crazy, but it was just small details of things that he needed to, to expound on more. And they did that. And I thought that was pretty dope. Thought that was dope. He spoke on, um, he spoke very highly of Martin Luther King thought that was interesting because the rap you always get is kind of like they make it seem like the uh nation of islam didn't like martin luther king malcolm x didn't like martin luther king like they want us to believe that king was like hated by that side and that's i think that's another narrative they push to try to make these guys look like the bad guys and he said some really really interesting things about martin luther king He said Martin Luther King's message was similar to Elijah Muhammad's and that he wanted us to put our money in black banks and black insurance companies in Memphis, which if you listen to his last speech, the, um, I've been to the mountaintop, he does mention this stuff about, you know, trying to uplift the poor communities. And a lot of people think that's the reason he was killed where he was starting to come after the, the government and trying to get that money for the poor communities. And they thought he was too much of a threat. I'm going to read that radical King book that I bought. And I think it's probably going to talk about a lot of this stuff that we don't get. Cause they, they try to make King sound a certain way. They try to make Martin Luther King all peaceful and nonviolent, which he was, but he was hitting them in other ways. You know, he was trying to hit the government's pockets. He was, he was doing things for the poor people and you could just see that they did not like that. And then the way they explain Martin Luther King to us now and the way they make him seem is not kind of what I think, those who were around saw from King. So I'm very, I'm very interested, looking forward to reading that book, Radical King, just to learn a little bit more. But uh, Farrakhan said the government killed him the next day, which I think the government was responsible for that too. And this was a big thing he said. He said everything they said about him 
was his speech in 63. Not his, not his speeches in 67 and 68. And I thought that was big because when you think about Martin Luther King, what is it they really talk about all the time? It's the, I have a dream speech, 1963, you know, it's everything about the dream, the dream, the dream. But after the civil rights era was over, you know, King shifted his focus to other things. And I think that's what Farrakhan's talking about here. Whereas in 67 and 68, we got a different version of King. And once I start reading that book and getting a little more knowledge, I'll be able to come back and share some of that with you. Well, I thought that was big. Farrakhan also said to read some speeches of Martin Luther King in the last year of his life. That's a, that's a valid point. I think we need to all go back and do a little bit more research on Martin Luther King and his history. I think it's been a little whitewashed. I don't think we've been told the truth. I'm very interested in, to read some of these speeches or listen to some of them. I'm sure they're all on YouTube, so we can all do that. We can all go on YouTube and, and check some of them speeches out. Like I said before, uh, Minister Farrakhan denied hating white people and Jewish people. He said he hates those in a position of power who do wrong. I think that's fair, too. Are there white people and Jewish p- people in positions of power who do wrong? Maybe. Maybe. So if they are, I can't blame him for that. But he doesn't hate them as a whole. And I think that's probably what the narrative has been. Like, oh, he hates all white people. He hates all Jewish people. He doesn't. He hates those who are in positions of power doing wrong. Just like we hate the KKK. And we hate all these other people who are white, but they're doing things racist. You know, they're racist white people. They're not regular white people. Like, we don't hate the, the average white person. We hate the one with the hood. All right? So I think there's a difference. This right here was, to me one of the most interesting parts of this uh, interview. He talked about the Adrian Peterson situation. He also talked about Floyd Mayweather. I don't remember everything he said about the Mayweather one. I didn't take notes on that one. So you have to go back and watch the interview for that. But he talked about the Adrian Peterson situation when he got in trouble for spanking his son. He got in trouble for spanking his son. And this, this is kind of the point he made in this situ in this whole argument where they were like, well, do you think he was wrong for beating his son? And, he said, no, I've, you know, I've been beaten by my mom when I was younger and I've turned out good. Now he did say he doesn't think you should just beat them to beat them. Like if you're, if you're beating them because they did something wrong, you're trying to teach them a lesson. He thinks it's acceptable to beat them, but he told a very um, good story that I thought kind of will tie this all together. He said, I don't even remember who the person was, but it was a lady. I think it was one of the ladies who used to watch him and somebody got, brought back by the police for doing something wrong. The police officer brought the child back to the house. So the lady starts in front of the police, starts beating the, the child. And then the officer's like, whoa, 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 you can't, you can't do that. Like, I'm going to have to arrest you for beating him. And then the lady tells the police officer, she says, I'm beating him in here so you don't have to beat him out there with the nightstick. I thought that was powerful. I thought that was powerful because basically what she was saying is, if I don't give him these beatings in here, if I don't whoop him for the stuff he's doing wrong in the house, if I don't do it in the house, when he encounters you in the street, you're going to beat him worse than this. You're going to beat him with the nightstick. You might end up shooting him. And when you think about like police brutality and this stuff that happens, not saying that the people who get shot or beat are wrong, but I'm just pointing out the fact that when they get shot or when they get beaten like Rodney King or something like that, that is a worse beating than the one the, the same people are complaining about that the parents give. So it's like, 
how are you okay with the police beating somebody like that, but you're not okay with the parent disciplining the child? Thought that was strong right there. I don't have kids, but I just thought that was a great point. I thought if you don't discipline them at home, you're leaving it up to the police to discipline them in the streets. And we all know that sometimes when the police discipline or do something, it's not, they're not doing it right. They're just doing it out of anger and they're not doing it by the law. So thought that was strong, man. I thought that was a great point that the the lady said. And after, according to the Farrakhan story, after she said that, the police was like, all right, well, I can't do nothing. And then she continued to beat the kid in front of the police. And yeah, that was, that was interesting. Now, this is the, the part I want to talk about with Farrakhan. We hate Farrakhan. Well, not we, y'all. A lot of people hate Farrakhan because of things that he might have said. They say he's racist. Um, he hates, he's homophobic. I don't know about the homophobic part. I've heard stories, but, you know, they say he's done this, he's done that. And I, I think it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope, man. I said this before. Said this before with other uh, shootings and uh, I forgot the dude's name, but the guy in, uh, was it Detroit? The guy who got shot, Jacob Blake. Said this with him too, where people were being hypocritical there, saying, you know, his past and that and judging him. But then you have those who, who chose not to look at the past and it's like you guys pick and choose when you have a problem with somebody and it goes back to the Farrakhan thing where it's like y'all get mad about something he might've said. We don't even know if he said it, but then, and this is the part that is probably going to bother some of y'all cause you know, it's probably gonna make y'all feel away. But president Obama, y'all love Obama. We all love Obama. I love Obama, but if we going to keep it a buck, if we going to keep it real, bro, if we going to keep it real, bro, Obama got more bodies than anyone. Anyone, anyone that's, well, not anyone, like there's probably presidents before him, but in the modern day, the amount of people that Obama has had killed or killed, like has pressed the button on, like for them to go and kill, a lot of innocent bodies, man. So it's like, y'all will look at Obama a certain way, even though he's, he's responsible for a lot of deaths. But then you'll be pissed at Farrakhan because he might have said something. But you're going to overlook all the good things Farrakhan said. Just like you overlook all the bodies Obama has because he's done a lot of good. And I think that's the slippery slope I always talk about where it's like we got to watch how we try to cancel somebody based off of one thing when they might have done a hundred other good things and maybe that one bad thing, y'all want to cancel them. But then when it's somebody you like, you overlook it. Now you overlook it like James Brown. We love James Brown. James Brown beat all his wives. Like, but we overlook it because of the music. Michael Jackson was accused of the kids touching kids. I don't think he did, but we overlook it because we thought, you know, Mike was a hero. His story came out from nowhere. But then R. Kelly throw him under the bus. I still listen to his music, though. I'm not gonna lie. Some of the music I can't let go, but I, I separate the man from the music. I separate the man, from, just like Farrakhan. If Farrakhan did say what they said, he said, I got to separate the man from the message or each message has to be separate. So maybe I don't want to rock with that message if it's really true. 
But I'm rocking with all the other stuff I just talked about. All the stuff that I thought he made good points on. I'm still rocking with those messages because those mean something. Those hold, those hold some type of weight. You know, I think those make sense. So I can say, yo, I don't agree with this or that. But I don't think there's anybody out there that you're going to agree with every single, every single thing they say. You know, we have to learn that it's okay to disagree with things without having to cancel somebody. You know, you can disagree with certain things. I can disagree with what R. Kelly said, but I still listen to the music because that music don't make me think about the stuff he did. You know? I disagree with Obama killing all those people or having those people killed in these countries, but I agree with the message he preached about love and stuff over here and being one and us, you know, the positivity he preached here, even though it wasn't positive over there. I, I It's just, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tie both things together in all these situations. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of tying everything together. I feel like in this day and age, everything is so, it's so complicated that we have to separate things. Like we can't make, you can't look at somebody based on their whole life. You can't base their whole life off of one thing. I refuse to do that. I'm sorry. I don't know how it makes me look, but I'm not doing it. I think hypocrisy is dangerous. I think, we play the game of favorites when it comes to this. Uh, we let some people slide and we don't let others slide. And it just, it's, you're going to get caught up in it, right? You're going to get caught up in it when you want to cancel somebody like a Chris Brown and you still listen to James Brown, right? It's it just, you got to know that at some point that hypocrisy is going to peek its head out. You're not going to be able to outrun it the whole time. It's going to catch up to you at some point. So just be aware of that. Be mindful. And there's nothing else to say on that. Let me talk a little sports real quick. The Steelers season is over. I watched the playoff game. The, was it Sunday? We played? Yeah. Played the Browns on Sunday. Got whooped. Tried to make it close towards the end, but it just, it wasn't really a close game. The Browns dominated us. I'm over it, man. I'm over, I'm over the Steelers. I'm still a fan, but I feel like I'm a little more into the Blazers right now. The Steelers piss me off. Juju got to stop dancing. He got to stop, man. He got to stop dancing. He got to stop trash talking. I feel like Juju hypes every freaking team that we play up. Juju gets them all hype. He talks his little trash, and then they get more excited to play us than they were before. I know people say, oh, if you're not pumped up to play, then your heart ain't it. No, no. Juju pumps these guys up more than they were. I don't know what it is, but Juju be talking so much trash. And then he don't even back it up. Now, he did have a 100-yard game finally. I think it was his first 100-yard receiving game since Antonio Brown left. But I'm just over the antics, man. And I don't think Juju is a number one receiver. He's a free agent this year. I don't think we need to pay him like that. He's not a number one, so I would not pay him as a number one receiver. I think the Steelers are very deep at receiver. You got Chase Claypool still, Deontay Johnson still there, James Washington. Uh, they're great in the draft, so they're going to probably draft another great receiver. If I'm the Steelers, I'm letting Juju walk. I'm letting Juju walk, and then I'm drafting a receiver. Just one of the many things they need to do. Also need to draft a running back because James Conner is just not it. O-line needs some help. I heard Marquise, Marquise Pouncey might be retiring, so probably need another center. Um, Kevin Dotson played well at, at guard, so he'll probably fill in at right guard next year. Villanueva is good at tackle. He could still play. Right tackle, we need work. We need help. 
So center, guard, center, right guard, and right tackle all need upgrades. Left tackle with Villanueva and left guard with David DeCastro. They're still solid on that side. Roethlisberger, is he going to retire? Is he not? I don't know. I don't know what Roethlisberger is going to do. He didn't look good either, but I don't know if that's more of the offensive scheme, the play calling, than it is his, his skill. I don't know if it's a diminishing skill or if it's the play calling. Because he went deep every now and then, but it just, yeah, it's not the same. So we'll see what he does. He's probably going to drag it along, but we need to know about a draft. And even if Ben doesn't retire, we got to draft. We got to start thinking about drafting his successor. Personally, I want Mac Jones. I don't know if that's attainable. I don't know if we can trade for Deshaun Watson. Is that too much? Is he asking for too much? But we got to do something because I'm not, I'm not happy with what we have currently in the backups with uh, Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs. So we'll see how it goes there. But this team needs a lot of work, man. A lot of work. Offensively, like I said, uh, receiver, we got to upgrade it. Like Juju go, we need a running back. Ben probably need to at least get a backup or a starter for next year. On the defensive side of the ball, to me, this is where the season started going downhill. When when uh, Bud Dupree got hurt, I didn't think we were ever the same. I didn't think the pass rush was as good without Bud Dupree on the other side of T.J. Watt. Um, Highsmith, he, he filled in well, but he's not Dupree. The run game, the run defense was not as strong without Bud Dupree setting the edge. When Devin Bush went down in the middle, middle linebacker, that was another blow to the team. So we just had so many injuries at the linebacker position this year. Even Spillane was out for a little bit. So those are all like key players at linebacker that were hurt. Um, Secondary, I think Joe Hayden was out for the last game with COVID. So we didn't even have our best corner. Minka, Minka had a down year to me. He wasn't as good as he was last year. The splash plays weren't there. So hopefully Minka can get back to his old self next year. But defensively, man, we got to we gotta do some things differently. Um, the defensive plays Keith Butler was calling, I wasn't feeling. Left Spillane on Jarvis Landry multiple times. I don't know why you're leaving a middle linebacker on literally the Browns' best receiver, but he did. I'm happy they let the offensive coordinator go, Randy Fittner. Got rid of him. He needed to go because, like I said, I don't know if it's all Ben's fault or if there's just BS with the play calling, but... I'm glad Feetner's gone. Hopefully we can bring in a competent offensive coordinator and get things going. But I'm just, if Ben comes back next year, I'm not confident in this team. I think we got to do a, a, a rebuild. Or not a rebuild, a reload. Blow it up. Yeah, not really blow it up. Break up some pieces and, and put some new ones in. We can still keep, like I said, we still have three solid receivers. Uh, defensively, corners are still good. Safeties are good. Probably need a little more depth on the D-line. And we need more depth at linebacker, inside and outside. Offensive line needs more more pieces, more depth. Running back, we got to draft. Got to draft. I don't know if we'll find a good one in free agency. So maybe that dude from Alabama, if we don't get Mac Jones in the first round, we get the other uh, Alabama running back, the big dude. I think he'd be a good, a good um, fit on the team. He's a bruiser. That's what we need. We need somebody who's going to hold. Boom, boom, boom. Moving on, there's a lot going on with Kyrie Irving right now. Shout out to the, um, the Nets, too. They just got James Harden in a trade. Big trade for them. Victor Oladipo going to the Rockets along with some picks. Karis LeVert going to the Pacers, who didn't even need him tonight to beat the Blazers. And Jared Allen 
Jared Allen going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think that's I think that's a bigger loss for the Nets than people realize. Jared Allen is an elite rim protector in the NBA. And I think the Nets are going to they're going to feel that loss later on. Like DeAndre Jordan's solid, but he's not the DeAndre Jordan that he used to be. He's on the downside of his career. I don't even know who else they have besides DeAndre Jordan at center. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But I guess when you have Harden, Westbrook, or not Harden, Westbrook, when you have Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, you don't really need much else. But I, I think they still need a they need some depth at the center position. But the question now is, is Kyrie even going to play? Kyrie Irving has missed like the last, what, week and a half? Ever since the stuff happened at the Capitol, he's decided he didn't want to play. We don't know if it's related to the Capitol or not, but Kyrie has been missing in action, and we have not gotten a lot of explanations for why Kyrie is missing. So we'll find that out, hopefully, going forward, where we might not ever find it out. But I think think if Kyrie ever comes back to the team, he's going to have to address why he's been missing. You can't just show up like nothing happened. But I will say this. Kyrie's catching a lot of heat right now, man. He's catching a lot of heat. People are mad about him. They're mad at him. They think he's wrong for leaving the team high and dry. I am thinking, look, I'm not siding with Kyrie, but I want to hear what Kyrie has to say, if that makes sense. Like, I want to I hear his explanation. I'm not writing him off immediately without hearing him talk. And one of the big reasons I want to hear what Kyrie has to say, two, two, two reasons. One, I feel like this might be similar to a Dave to the Dave Chappelle situation in 2005 when he left Comedy Central and everybody was pissed and thought like, oh, Chappelle just, you know, he's crazy. He went to Africa. And then, you know, years later, we look at that situation a little differently now. We're like, well, maybe he wasn't crazy. Maybe Chappelle really had some, you know, he had a point. So I think maybe 10 years from now, we might look at Kyrie differently. Like, yo, maybe Kyrie was onto something. So I just want to hear, I want to hear him out. I want to see what he has to say first. I think what bothers me about the whole Kyrie situation is the way certain people view it. I think a lot of people who are not people of color, that's the nicest way I can put it. I feel like they want to down Kyrie any chance they get. I think they want to down him for speaking out about Black Lives Matter and social justice issues. They don't like it. They just care about all he can do. All they care about is what he can do on the basketball court. I don't think people really care about him as a person. So I I want to hear what he has to say because I kind of care about him as a person. I always think Kyrie has some insightful things to say. He might not always say it in the right way. But Kyrie's one of those people that whenever he speaks, I listen. I listen because he always has something interesting to say. He's not just rambling. He's very articulate. He's very smart. So to me, I'm always going to want to hear what he has to say. I'm always interested in what he has to say. I think he's a outside-the-box thinker. I think he sees things differently. But those are just the people I'm usually intrigued by. You know, I like I said, I'm going to do a whole show on MF Doom. That was another outside-the-box thinker. I love Mac Miller, outside-the-box thinker. Um, even back to our, you know, civil rights people like Malcolm X, outside the box thinker, Tupac, outside the box thinker. Like these are all people that thought differently and were condemned at at one point, and now they're looked back. We look at them differently. You know, we think these guys are great now. So 
it's just going to be interesting to see how we view Kyrie going forward years from now. This year, I think the narrative is going to be what it is. I don't think people are going to cut him any slack, but I want to hear it. I want to hear what he has to say. And let me just say this, because you guys get on Kyrie, you're like, oh, well, this is your job. You're paid to do a job, blah, blah, blah. Bro, I don't want to hear shit from none of y'all, because all y'all have called out of work at some point, right? All y'all have called out of work, say you're sick, and your ass is out somewhere. You're at the club. You're at a restaurant. Like, you ain't home either. So don't get mad at Kyrie for being on a Zoom call or being at his sister's birthday party because y'all have done the same thing when you call out of work. So I don't want to hear the hypocrisy again. This is all the hypocrisy. You guys be trying to outrun that hypocrisy and it catches up to you. So stop it. It's 2021. It's a new year. It's a new me. I want to give y'all a little update on things that have changed, things that have happened. Like I said I've gotten off to a good, a decent start this year. Like, I'm not drinking alcohol. I said I was going to do no alcohol for at least January. I might go the whole year. I don't know. I'm still undecided on what I'm going to do with the no alcohol. Sometimes you go on a date, you want to have a drink. I I feel like I'm very, a little more clear with my thinking without alcohol, so I might just keep it going. I feel more focused. I wake up great. Nothing worse than waking up like after you drink and you're just groggy and you have like a headache and you don't feel like yourself. I don't know where I'm at with the whole alcohol thing for the year, but as of now, I'm doing no alcohol. I've followed strong with the no social media. I know y'all are wondering if I'm on the dating site still. Yes, 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 yes. Like I said, I'm rebuilding the roster this year. I got to see what's out there. So I'm not getting off the dating sites till I'm happy with what I got. So until then, we're going to keep dating. When will the dating slow down? That's a question I ask myself. I don't know. When I'm happy with the amount of people or amount of women that I I can converse with and hang out with, and it's a good number for me, I'll probably slow down then. I don't know. I don't have a specific number on uh, how many I want to, like, date. I want multiple experiences. I'll just say that. So if it's just one person, I'm probably going to keep dating because if it's just one, it's probably not the one. If it is the one, I stop, but. If it's not, I got to keep dating. We're, we're living freely out here. Shout out to the feminists. I'm, I'm moving like y'all right now in these streets when it comes to dating. I'm doing me. Um, Book update. I, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Back to dating. I did uh, want to say, are there any potential prospects? Um, TBD. We'll say that's to be determined. I don't, I don't know. I'm not ready to speak on potential prospects. There is a... Uh, promise there are people who intrigue me potential prospects though i'm not i'm not i'm not ready to call anybody a potential prospect because that i think that's more of when you think you're getting towards a relationship i'm not there but i I have been intrigued a bit so we'll go with that as far as the books go have not read any books yet this year i told you guys i'm going to try to start tomorrow the, the dress rehearsal Tomorrow slash today, since it's Friday, we'll start with the Claude Anderson, Powernomics. I'll come back next week, tell you guys how I'm doing with that book, what I've learned. And, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Do I miss social media would be another question. No, not at all. I actually enjoy life right now without social media just because I control the narrative. I create what I want to listen to, what I want to hear. It's all like because of me, like I'm not on Facebook randomly scrolling, seeing stuff I don't want to see. 
whatever comes into my mind now or my peripheral is because I put it there. It's not anything being forced on me. And it's a beautiful thing when you have control over what you see and um, the things that you observe and the things that, you know, you see and that come into your mind. So I do enjoy no social media at this point. I, I don't even have a desire to get on social media. Maybe it's because I have the dating app still. Maybe the dating apps are making up for what social media was. But as far as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I don't miss any of that right now. I mean, I'm only 14 days in, too, so it's not like I've been gone a long time. Still early. Still early. Still in dry January. Still a long ways to go. But, yeah, well, just you know, as long as you listen to this podcast, I keep you up to date on what's going on in my life. I still think I'm spending too much time on my phone, though. I mentioned that earlier. I think once January's over, you're going to see me start to get off the phone more. I think the dating will, might, will probably go down a little bit more because... As I go on these dates, I kind of realize who I want to continue to go on dates with, who I want to continue to hang out with, and who I don't. And by February, I think I'll have a good idea of like who I want to talk to on a regular basis and who I don't. So I do anticipate everything being more in moderation in February, less phone time, less dating, more reading. I think I'm really going to start getting into my groove in February. But I'm, start, I'm trying to start it slowly now trying to get the process started. So that's why I said, you know, I want to start getting off my phone more when I'm at work and stuff. Yeah, it's good. But on my off days, I don't, I don't need to be on the phone all the time, all day. So that's, that's one thing I'm going to work on cutting back more on. Cause I wake up and I go straight on the phone. I, I go to bed. I'm on the phone. So going forward, hopefully less phone time. I'll let you know how it goes. A couple other things to say, or actually one more thing. I already talked about the James Harden. Well, all right. I didn't really say too much about the Harden part of that trade. It will be interesting to see how Harden um, plays with Kyrie and KD. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that fits. They all seem like they need the ball in their hands. Pause. I feel like Harden is going to struggle with the most out of everybody because he just seems like he always had the ball. He doesn't look like he plays off ball much. I know Chris Paul played with him, but he still had the ball in his hands for most of the time. So I think Harden might struggle the most. KD doesn't look like he really needs the ball at all. He he can play any any type of way. He can come off the screens, catch and shoot. He can take off the dribble. He can be a creator. But Harden seems like he just wants to be the creator all the time. So I don't know how he works with Kyrie. Him and KD, just like Kyrie and KD, I think both of those are easier fits. But Kyrie and Harden is probably... I'm looking closer at Kyrie and Harden and how they work together than KD with either of them. Katie's going to get in where he fits in, even though Katie's the star. He's the best player. But Kyrie and Harden are going to be fighting over the ball a lot. That's going to be fun to watch whenever Kyrie comes back. So keep an eye on that. The last thing I'm going to say is YouTube. YouTube, can you hear me right now? YouTube, I know you're probably listening because you got the algorithms and everything. Stop giving me Wawa commercials. All right? I do not need Wawa commercials. I support Wawa more than anybody you know. I go to Wawa like four times a week. I don't need you guys to advertise Wawa to me. I know what Wawa, I know about Wawa. I know where Wawa is. I know every single Wawa in Orlando where it is. I don't need you to tell me when it's time to go to Wawa, all right? I get coffee from Wawa. I get bowls from Wawa. I get salads from Wawa. I sound like the uh, 
beans, greens, chicken, potatoes. I sound like her. <laughs> it's it's true. I get everything from Wawa. So I don't know why YouTube feels the need to show me Wawa commercials every time. You're wasting your time on me. Use that advertising on somebody else because I'm going to go to Wawa. All right. There's two things that are going to happen. The sun is going to come up in the morning and I'm going to go to Wawa. Those two things are guaranteed on my, almost a daily basis. All right. I probably go to Wawa more than I need to. But I go to Wawa. I get my coffee. I enjoy it. So YouTube leave me alone with your Wawa commercials. I don't even know. You probably listening to this now. So I probably get more, but I'm just telling y'all, you don't need to send me Wawa commercials. I go to Wawa without y'all telling me I need to go to Wawa. All right. I love Wawa. So with that being said, we're over an hour 30. I gave y'all a, a solid episode tonight. I think, I don't know. We'll see how, see how y'all like it on the playback. I think I'm going to end this episode with some, Toby and Guigway. I actually bought his album recently. I bought the Toby album called, uh, what was it? The first one was four originals. So this is Cinco Originals. Yeah, I bought the Cinco Originals album. I actually bought his last two because he's such a dope artist. This song I'm going to play is called Father Figure. And it's with Toby and Guigway. And it features Royce the Five Nine and Black Dot. So I figure I get all a little conscious. I play some walk on the way in, so a little conscious on the way out. And like I said, I'm 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 pretty sure I'm coming back later today with the Goody Mob episode. I'll I'll at least record it today, and then I'll post it on like the weekend. But I think I'm gonna come back with that one. I think I want to show you guys I could be a little bit more consistent. So look out for that World Party episode. Hopefully, I was able to satisfy you guys today. This is like the new Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence with no promotion. So I'll post it on my SoundCloud, but I'm not promoting it. And this was Late Night Thoughts Part 2. This might be a series whenever I'm late up, up late at night just talking. We might, we might keep the Late Night Thoughts series going. The first one seemed to be a big one. Everybody liked it. I got a lot of uh, listens, a lot of views on that one. So I don't know. Let me know how, what y'all think about this one. Did I ramble too much? Did I... Answer all your questions about my dating life. Y'all let me know what you think. I'm going to end it with some Toby and Guigway father figure. This is Keeping It Real with Jared Lawrence. I'll see you later. Look, I can do in days what may take them years. I done parted ways with those who move in fear. Hard to go astray when the vision's clear. Low key, they might have to throw parades when I'm no longer here. This for the gangsters and the hustlers and the black bleeders. Got a bar for a mark unless it's not Zima. They ain't tweaking when you speak and you cannot feature. Push a Hyundai accent like I can't afford to drive Beamer. Why? Cause it ain't about the car, it's about the confidence. All my consonants are consequently due to confidence in. Elohim, though the metal bring me a peace of mind. We survive places to demonize feeble minds for what should be legalized. I'm <laughs> just saying, dog, this big old facts. Be weary of the trap with cheese, cause it's big old rats. And look low-key, you could touch more cheese than a grater Have some paper, but if you known for hoeing your partners You still big old trash The real gon' understand, I pray the fake will listen If you the fraud on your squad, you still can change position Before I had a pot to piss in all this diction I envisioned every piece of fruit I brought into fruition Ugh. If you hatin', though, you trippin' Gonna recognition with my missus worth the jigger I swear to have my art in exhibitions in a minute Not just a rapper to these rappers I swear I'm they father figure I'm Yeah, I'm your father figure, oh I 
swear I'm your father figure. Ooh. No, no, you, you, I'm your father figure. Not just a rapper to these rappers, I swear I'm your father figure. Ooh. Dearly beloved, if it's merely a budget, I'm clearly above it. My skin and my hair is Nigerian colored and does what the Aryans doesn't. If you purely a puppet, then you really be stuck in it and you a suffix. I don't want to be toughest. I just keep it a hundred and think nothing of it. Timidly talking ain't part of my chemistry. I'm an OG, is you kidding me? I see what you giving me, be it your liberty. Still, what I see is stupidity. You lacking humility, seeking validity. Shake the mistaken identity. These lacking ability jokers is killing me. Literally wasting my energy. That's only a fact. They'll never hold me, I only adapt. You shouldn't have told me your homie could rap. They shouldn't have showed me the Toby in fact. I'm blacker than black, or packaging crack, or packing the Mac in the back of the act. I'm saying I'm something spectacular. Don't at me, I'm biomolecular. Don't Google the aftermath, don't bother. Everything left on the floor is the lava. These nuts, George Washington Carver. What you want, boy? I'm I'm a piranha, I'm a pariah, I am Nirvana, I am the king coming out of Wakanda, I run into you on Torres a problem, I'ma be honest, I am your father, figure. Yeah, I'm your father, figure, ooh. I swear I'm your father, figure, ooh. No, no, you, you, I'm your father, figure, I'm just a rapper to these rappers, I swear I'm your father, figure, ooh. African estate, grass and grapes, masculine and slave, master hate, exactly when they emasculate, congratulate, gay or master hate, ask the black lady to shake, they fascinated, they masturbate, the black parade straight exacerbates, the actual hate they imaginate, that's when they racist, straight harasses as they evacuate, imagine wearing they mask and where can't imagine making it past the day, hell is hated, heavens are elevated, melanated masquerade, you celebrate, they are vaccinate, you separate, they assassinate, weapons mastered, yes they active, yes they matter, mash to ray. Rep they blackness, leather jackets, black beret. Past the mace, ice cube, jam master J. Trunk, Trunks of jewelry, come through and truly. Trump security, grandmaster J. Gucci Kami out of Luciano. To Amani, I'm a Muliano. Drove her out and hit the Neemans in Cabo. Gope the model, made a Venus de Milo. Spend a lot at the Palazzo. Send you hollow semiados, powder blue Diablo. Probably pop a copper to the honor Brianna and Amadou Diallo. They tracking the African breed, the patent the seas. They snatching the apple from Adam and Eve, the patent the seas. Attack chemically, the patent disease. I rep murder violence, methane bars, jet stream guard. You rep Turtle Island, just ain't Charles, Epstein's law. <laughs> And that's King Talk, my queen shopping in LA. See me out in that green drop, that thing not a Chevy. Beam on top of that slingshot, Glock scene, softest dwelly. And things start to fall apart like Chinua a Chevy. Yeah, I'm your father figure, ooh. I swear I'm your father figure, ooh. No, no, you, you. I'm your father figure, I'm just a rapper to these rappers, I swear I'm your father 